Well, we're going to continue our journey. We, we kind of jumped out of a little order this morning. Dusty got us all the way to Jerusalem. We're going to step back one city and talk about a story that happened in Bethany, which is where this uh, all began. If you remember in Bethany is where they raised Lazarus from the dead. It's where the scribes and the Pharisees made a conscious decision that they were going to put Jesus to death. That the answer to all their problems as it related to Jesus was, we're going to kill him. And that's where we picked up the story at, at the uh, raising of Lazarus. And we followed Jesus around um, through Galilee and around through Perea and back through. And he crossed the Jordan a couple of times. We'll look at that on a map real quick. But this story happens in Bethany, and I've, I've entitled it The Anointing. It's, talking, it's a story about the anointing of Jesus. It happens in Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. It also happens in Mark. We're going to read the account that happened in Mark, but you can look at Matthew 26, and uh, it's a parallel story, and you can study it there. So we started in Bethany where Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the dead and he, he journeyed through Jerusalem to Ephraim and then on through Samaria and up here into the area of Galilee. Then he crossed over the Jordan at what we think is Beth, what's called Bethany across the Jordan. That's, that city's not exactly known where it was, but this is where most mapologists believe it was located. Then he journeyed down through Perea, and then last week he was in Jericho, and Jericho's where he ran into the little fellow Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus as uh, some people say it. I don't know which is right, depends on which accent, which syllable. But that's where he ran into the, the, um, uh, the tax collector, and Brother Bruce talked to us about Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus last week, and the fact he was short of stature and, and uh, told that story of Zacchaeus. And then from there... We journey from Jericho which uh, down to Bethany, and Bethany is where the story takes place that we're going to talk about today, the story of the anointing of Jesus. And it's amazing to me how I can read these stories my whole life, and then as I'm preparing a sermon and I dive into them really deeply, how there's just so much more there. And that, I think that's the beauty of the scripture. You can read it year after year after year after year. And if you really study it and get deep into it, it uh, there's just so much there. And this story is no different. We'll read the, the version out of Mark. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse number 3 says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them, ye may do them good. But me have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, whosoever, whosoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. So as we've already, as we've already talked about, the story takes place in Bethany. There's, it's Simon the leper's house. 
and they're seated at meat. They're having dinner. That's seated at meat means they're, they're eating supper. And this woman comes. We find in other versions this woman is Mary, comes and uh, takes a box of ointment, spikenard, very precious, and she breaks it. So the first thing I wanted to know is what is spikenard? Because <laughs> that's not something that other versions just say nard, N-A-R-D. This version says spikenard and breaks it uh, on her head. So we're about a week before Passover, roughly, given a, a day here or there, a week before Passover. And spikenard's derived from that. Y'all can, y'all can figure out how to say that if you'd like. It's derived from Nardo Stachis Jada Mansi, which is a flowering plant of the Valerian family. It's a very uh, expensive oil, and they used it for all kinds of things, for stress, as an, uh, to cure, for infections and uh, digestive problems even, anything to do with a weak immune system. So um, it was a medicine, it was an ointment. It doesn't mention it here, but it was also used at a burial to anoint the body as it was being uh, buried and put into a t- and put into a tomb. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the second thing that I want to uh, talk about, and this is probably kind of the pivot point of this uh, this story, is this word indignation, because it's basically what's setting the pros against the cons here. Indignation. I probably have a definition of that. It's uh, a great, greatly afflicted, afflicted, that is figuratively, to be much displeased. And this word, I think, is symbolic, of, and, and it's the dividing point in the story. You've got some people that are for, for what she did, and you've got some people that are against it. Most are against it. The only ones for it here are the one that did it and Jesus, um, which we'll find out are the most important two. Um, the ones that are against it, in other versions, that thought process is led by Judas, which we have we know from history. Judas was uh, someone that was very interested in money. He's the one that ultimately betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, and so money was important to Judas. But here it says they all had indignation. So this was, this was all, whoever all is, it's probably the disciples, those that are traveling with him, headed into Jerusalem or probably eating dinner together at Simon the leper's house, and they all had indignation. So none of them thought this was a good idea, right? So you got that piece. And when you think about um, what's going on here, this lady Mary worshiping the Lord, um, it's really a picture of what the world thinks about worship. There are those that think what we do every Sunday or the effort that we put forth towards our religion is a waste. No different than breaking an expensive bottle of, of ointment over the, the, um, the head of our Savior and, and anointing his head. There's, there's a um, big part of the world that thinks it's a waste, and you've probably felt that. You've had people say, well, why do you go to church all day? You, you guys, I'm preaching to the choir. I know you're here. You've been here all day. You've been through lunch. You had a first service, now it's your second service. And, you know, you're, you're, you're bought in. But there are people that would say, why? Do you have to go to church every Sunday? Do you have to go? What about these Bible studies on Wednesday night? Man, you sure spend a lot of time doing that. That seems like a waste to me. Do you have to spend all that time to worship the Lord? Well, that's what this the overarching thing is about is is service or use versus waste. 
the indignant people felt like it was a waste. Mary and Jesus felt like it was a service. It was of good use. And that's the, that's the rub. That's the, that's the problem with the world versus those that are trying to live the Christian life. And that leads us to this question right after that. Why was this waste of the ointment made? That was the question of, the, of, the, of those that were in, in thought it, they were indignant. Get all my words working here in a minute. So the word waste means giving more than is necessary or giving too much for something too little or receiving more, uh, receiving more than he is considered to be worth. So paying somebody more than they're worth, paying too much for something, those are these words waste. And so why was this waste made? That was their thought. Was why in the world would you spend 300 pence worth of ointment, and that was roughly equivalent to a year's wages, so I don't know how she had it all wrapped up in a, in a thing of oil, but Mary had 100 pence, let's say, I don't know what a year's wages was back then, but let's just say a year's wages today is 50,000 bucks. She walks in there and puts $50,000 worth of ointment on Jesus' head, and everybody goes, wow, you're wasting money. And we might all think that, <laughs> I don't know. If you, as you watch those dollar signs, roll down the Savior's face, what would you think? A year's worth of wages, whatever you make in a year. Some of us might make more, some of us might make less, but a year's worth of wages is roughly what 300 pence was worth. And the question here is, um, do you view that as a waste or do you view view that as use? Was that a good use of the oil? Now, you're here, so I'm guessing you're going to vote for use, right? That was, that was an awesome use. And if you had $50,000 worth of oil to anoint the Savior's head six days before he was going to be crucified, you'd say, money well spent. I did a good work. And that's ultimately what Jesus says about Mary. The next thing I want to notice, uh, and uh, we'll wrap it up here, is, uh, well, we're about halfway through maybe, a forehand. I think that's a very critical word in this, uh, in this story because Jesus says that she has chosen to do this work ahead of time. She's chosen, I'm using the word work there to mean the anointing of Jesus. So there's a timing component to it, and I think that's very important. Jesus is going to be buried in about a week. Mary was anointing him before the necessary time. And so Romans 14 tells us that every knee is going to bow. So there's going to be a time when we are going to pour out everything we've got on judgment day in front of the Lord. We're going to pour out everything that day. And that's Jesus' point here. She has anointed me beforehand, before the burial. The burial was significant of the, of the end here for Jesus on this earth. And she had come and done that. He was going to get anointed as he was buried. She had done it early. She had done it now while there was time. The Bible also tells us that uh, the time to worship is now and that the Father seeks those that are going to worship him. So this aforehand is important here because Mary is doing something 
while she can here on this earth when she needed to do it. They viewed it as a waste. Mary viewed it as the right thing to do. And that's the question for the world. You've chosen to worship the Lord aforehand, but from a worldly perspective, there's a lot of people that are choosing not to do that. Someday they'll be forced to pour out everything they've got in front of the Lord. The last phrase or the last thing I wanted to notice here is wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the world, the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial to her. I studied that and, and thought about that verse for a lot of t- long time, read three or four commentaries, did some research on the Internet, which has got to be true if it's on the Internet, and um, <laughs> a lot of other things. And I thought about, you know, I thought the interesting thing about it was 2,000 years later, we're talking about this story of Mary here at the church assembly this afternoon. But I think it's bigger than that. I think this story of Mary is really the story of loving the Lord with all of your heart. So we can, we can logically, we get it, right? Jesus and his father, they created this world. They knew from the very beginning that these people they were creating with free will were going to mess up and do some stuff, and they weren't going to be able to do this law, and that Jesus was going to have to come, and as deity is the ultimate savior, the one that's omniscient and uh, got uh, unlimited forgiveness and infant mercy and is able to wash away all of our sins for now, forever. Logically, we get it. And we get the fact that we sin, and the only way we're going to get to heaven is if we cover our sins with Jesus' blood so that we appear white as snow before the Father. Logically, we get it. The question is, do we get it in here? And does it change our living? Does it change our heart? Does it change the way we think? Does it change our actions? Does it make us look at photos? Of fatherless. We talked about this in James this week at our Bible study, the, the widows and the orphans and the fatherless. True religion and undefiled is this, that you minister after those people. It uses the word visit in uh, James when it talks about that, the same visit that Jesus made to this earth. That's the same exact words. Was Jesus just a drive-by to say, how are you doing? No, Jesus came and he died and he gave everything he had for the human race. We're to do the same thing for the fathers and the fatherless and the widows uh, and James. And that's what this is talking about. This is talking about a religion, religion of the heart. It's talking about more than just um, the logical understanding of what Jesus did for us. It's talking about how that should move us and our hearts should move us to act differently, to pour out a year's worth of wages on the Lord's head and not have a second thought about it because that's infinitely more important than a year's worth of wages. That's what Mary was talking, that's what Mary was doing and that's why Mary either figuratively or literally the story every time the gospel is told, it's talking about what Mary did Jesus wants us to pour our whole soul, our whole life, our whole being into him and love him the way Mary loved him and broke that spikenard box of ointment over his head. So what can we learn? Well, we can learn that there's no doubt when we meet the Lord, we're going to pour it out, everything we've got. We can learn uh, that we shouldn't underestimate the value of the Lord. That's 
what everybody else at that meeting, at that uh, dinner was doing. They underestimated the value that the Lord had. Here's an interesting question. Do you think on the resurrection morning, when Mary hears that the Lord has arisen, that she regretted the extravagance that she had done five, six days earlier? No, she didn't. I can, I mean, I can just, I could just, the pity patter of her heart going, my Lord is arisen. That, that money, that value, that whatever that was, was so small, meaningless to her, as she understands now that her, her Savior has risen from the dead. And see, material things aren't important to Jesus. He wants it all. He wants our heart. And he wants it aforehand. He realizes your heart's going to be given to him on the day of judgment. There's going to be no denying it that day. But that's when it's taken and not given. That's when it becomes painfully obvious that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is creator and everybody would like to be with Jesus. But he demands that you recognize that aforehand and that you do something about it. So that's what I got out of the anointing at Bethany. I hope that... um, Appreciated the the sermon or the prayer from Brother Lauren. I hope that we were able to present something there. It won't take too much of your time on a Sunday afternoon after a good dinner. But I was I was hoping that we could look at that story and maybe get something out of there that would maybe motivate us a little differently the next time we see somebody that's in need. And sometimes that's hard to figure out. I mean, I've seen I've seen people begging on the side of the street that really weren't in need. Um, because I knew that they'd gotten out of a fancy car, you know, in their nasty ragged dress and came over there to the street corner to beg. So that was just the way they made their living. But we never know. We have people that come into the audience or come into the church, and, and it's, it's just it's a tough call sometimes. But you, you can figure it out if you put in the effort. And there are plenty of people out there that need our help and need our need and just need us to notice just need us to notice and be a part of their lives. Are you, are you willing to give everything that you have to the Lord? Are you willing to not only logically understand why you need to be a Christian, but throw your heart into it and do something different to help your fellow man? If there's anything we can do for you, um, we'd love to pray for you. Whatever you would need, if you'd come and sit on the front pew as we stand and sing the song Danny selected. <laughs>